The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Again, my name is Eric Little. We thank you for making our show a part of your week. And it's an exciting week. It's the first week of actual game action. A lot of scrimmages have taken place in the last few weeks. Usually every team coming off of their second scrimmage in Ohio, I guess, just allowed to scrimmage three times. Notable scrimmages included Parkersburg South at Bridgeport and Williamstown at Point Pleasant. A lot of teams chose to play some really tough opposition in their scrimmages this year. And I always wondered how that went out when you were the tough team. What do you do if you're the better team, if you're expected to be the better team? What do you do to sharpen your skills? Who do you turn to? It's pretty easy for a mid-range or even mediocre team to go sharpen their skills against a better team. Sometimes you see these Class A teams going up against a AA or AAA, again with Williamstown, a chance to be a good Class A team going up against a pretty good Class AA team in Point Pleasant. But again, if you're a good AAA team, I don't really know what you do other than maybe find a team that is from a neighboring state that you don't often play or find a team that you can't fit on your schedule anywhere else. So if you got any ideas on what those teams might do, feel free to share those and we'll read those when we look in the mailbag next week. Of course, let's take a look at this week's poll question. And I asked you this week in anticipation of next week's season openers, which side of the ball do you expect to have a better showing in week one and why? And for the first time ever, this was a 50-50 split. Just 14 votes. 50% of you said offense would show out better in week one. 50% of you said defense would look better in week one. Of course, you can find these polls on our Facebook page. Just find the Eric Little High School Football Podcast on Facebook and like us there. You can answer these poll questions every week. And if we like your feedback or read those, I am going to side with defense on this one because I think it takes longer to install and for a team to get good and get comfortable in an offense than it would for a team to get comfortable in a defense. A lot of defense is schemes and positioning, and a lot of defense is tackling. And I feel like the tackling is something that gets worked on so much in the practice time that leads up to the regular season. That, to me, is easier to sharpen than complex and intricate passing game schemes and timing and getting everybody where they need to be on a running play and so on and so forth. So much of offense is timing-oriented, and I think that would make that a little harder to look good early in Week 1. Now, the exception to that rule, small schools that are not able to go 11-on-11 in practice because of their numbers. There are a lot of schools that only have 18, 20, 22 bodies. Again, if you got 22, I guess you could go 11-on-11, theoretically, if you've got the right 11 on the right 11, but that doesn't mean you're going to. But still... If you're a small school that can't hit a lot in practice and can't tackle and can't get that work that other schools get, your offense may be a little bit better. And if you're playing another one of those schools in week one, we may see a shootout in week one. That having been said, I think generally the defense is going to look a little bit better in week one than the offense. Again, I'll read Craig Dutton's feedback. He wrote in last week. He writes in again this week. He says most skill or trench players won't be hurt as much early on, which is a valid point because those dings and bruises and bumps add up. Craig continues, as I feel offenses will be a little more favorable to open up the playbook to see what works and doesn't work. That'll lead to more big plays on offense from drive to drive. Defenses will still be trying to figure out schemes and where exactly players fit based on how each position is exploited. About midseason, your defense should begin to play at top form if everything is adjusting correctly. I agree with some of that, Craig. The thing that I have trouble with is that teams will be opening up the playbook just because I think early on you're just not going to have as deep of a playbook. You tend to see the more complex schemes going later and later and later 
later in the year. So that playbook in week 11 looks a lot different than it looks in week one or two. But I get your point. I get what you're going for. Uh, you're going to experiment early on in the year, uh, maybe a trick play or a gadget play or some sort of novelty play or something that you think might be your bread and butter. You're going to maybe run a bigger variety of things to see what you do and you don't do well and then maybe pare down within that individual scheme. Uh, some interesting thoughts on that, Craig. And then Brian Darty basically uh, throws up a big what he said <laughs> as a ditto. So I want to thank you guys for writing in. Thank all of you who responded. Again, it's the Eric Little High School Football Podcast on Facebook. Find the poll there. Like us on Facebook. We'll have another question for you next week, and we'll share this week's question later on. A little bit of a spoiler. There will not be a formal poll. There will be a question that you can answer in an open-ended fashion. One of the things that came up in the high school football Facebook preseason preview series that we recently completed on our Facebook page on Light Rock 93R was a discussion I had with Riverhead coach Mike Flannery. That's an Ohio school, and of course this is a rule that isn't, to my knowledge, something that's allowed in West Virginia or Ohio. But Flannery said that for schools with low numbers, one of the things he'd like to see joint practices, you know, where you're allowed to practice with another school from a neighboring district or another team in that area. You see this happen a lot in the NFL, where teams are allowed to practice with one another. It's not quite a preseason game where you're just practicing, but lining up against opposition from another team. The way he puts it, and I think it's a really good point, he says this would allow those of us who can't go 11 on 11 to do more hitting and to have more contact practice the fundamentals of hitting and tackling, things that you don't often get to do when you don't have that many people. And I think that's a good idea for a potential rule change. That's one of those things I would like to see the SSAC introduce. And speaking of rules or policies you'd like to see the WVSSAC adopt, we will talk about that much later in the program. I keep teasing and hinting at next week's poll, so you're going to want to listen to see the results of that. The Metro News Power Rankings came out for the first time this week. And of course, there's a lot of debate as to how much merit or how much weight those really have. In Class AAA, Martinsburg comes in at number one, followed by Capital, Spring Valley, Huntington University. University, Cabell Midland, PHS at number 7, Hurricane, Musselman, and George Washington. In Class AA, Fairmont Senior, Bluefield, Bridgeport, Point Pleasant, Wayne, Mingo Central, Weir, Robert C. Bird, Kaiser, and Winfield are your top 10. And then in Class A, Wheeling Central and St. Mary's, the defending state champion and runner-up respectively top this week's poll, followed by East Hardy, Williamstown, Sherman, South Harrison, Midland Trail, Tug Valley, Magnolia, and Doddridge County, the host of other Class A teams getting votes of note, Tyler Consolidated with 10 amongst local teams. Cameron just missing out of the top 10 by one vote, and Summers County missing out of the top 10 by two votes. Basically, that means the voters either don't know what's going on in Class A, or there are a lot of teams in Class A that are right around the same level, be it good, be it bad, be it indifferent, be it, be it mediocre. But there's a lot of teams that need sorted out in Class A. I don't put a lot of importance in preseason polls, and I even vote on this poll. These polls exist largely as discussion fodder and as content and something that you can go talk about at the barbershop. I'm not knocking them. I think it's a good idea. There's a reason, though, the SSAC official rankings don't come out until after three weeks of the season, because there's just no fair and valid and honest way to rate teams that you just don't know that much about early on, truth be told. We vote in these polls and have an idea on a few of the teams that are out there, but there's just not the time and the information really make good decisions on all three classifications. You really have to take a lot of time if you wanted to study up on all three classes. I'm sure I'm maybe speaking for myself here, but maybe for some other voters as well. 
we make guesses based on what each team did the year before and what we think they might do this year in the preseason. But again, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I would be hard-pressed to find too many people in Pleasance County, for instance, that would buy that St. Mary's is the second-best Class A team in the state. And that's not a knock on this year's crop of Blue Devils, but they're young. They're inexperienced. They're not returning a whole lot of players at skill positions. They're moving Jacob Hoyt from offensive line to running back. They've got a first-year starter at quarterback, and they don't have a lot of depth. So there is no way you're going to make me believe that that team is number two. I think in my poll, I put St. Mary's in at 10, but that was only as a tip of the cap to the fact that they were the state runners-up a year before, and because I, quite frankly, didn't know who else to stick in there. I had Wheeling Central atop the poll because I heard good things, but even East Hardy at number three, they're replacing Chad Williams, our longtime head coach. He went to Spring Mills. Williamstown has a potential to be in that top five at the end of the year, but they have a lot of question marks. Sherman's got a tough schedule. Magnolia's got a tough schedule. Those two teams will play each other in week one. South Harrison figures to be in it somewhere. Doddridge County's a sexy pick this year. They were 8-3 and three last year and with some talent coming back. So uh, it goes to show you that it, it's kind of neat to look at these things, especially at the end of the day in terms of where the teams wind up. But there's just so little credence that you can actually place in these polls because there's just not a lot of information about the teams that we're talking about. So again, that's this week's Metro News poll. Take it or leave it for whatever it is. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. We're joined this week on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast by Kerry Patrick of DepthChartWC.com. Kerry, welcome to the program. You're the first ever guest on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Boy, I feel honored, Eric. This is awesome. You like that? (laughs) What an intro. We have you on here this week because a couple of the games we will not be able to talk about on Countdown to Kickoff this week. And of course, you have a regular spot on Countdown to Kickoff every week. Two biggies on Thursday involving area teams. Let's talk about the one that's not happening in our backyard first. Uh, The one that is available on AT&T Sportsnet, Metro News, PHS Morgantown and the Big Reds going on the road to Morgantown to play in the SSAC's designated kickoff special. A game that as you're going to report to us, does not have quite the luster that it once had. You know, I took a trip down to Charleston this past Saturday to see South Charleston scrimmage PHS for the sole purpose of checking up with PHS and uh, putting together a team preview for the website. And little did I know that PHS would get hit by an injury bug, a major injury bug. Midway through the first quarter, Brenton Strange, you know, he's on everybody's D1 watch list that you can imagine and he suffered a hamstring injury. I'll start started out with that and I you know I'd heard the sideline coaches ask him while he was on the field did he hear it pop and you know I didn't hear hear the answer to that question but I next thing I know I see him sitting on the sidelines with ice under his hamstring and taking his shoulder pads off he was done for the day. Afterwards talking to coach Bias um, he had checked with Brenton in the locker room. I said, you know, what kind of feedback are you receiving from Brenton? First few words out of Coach Bias's mouth were, well, on the pain scale, it's about a six or seven, he said. So it's beyond a spasm, and he says it, it could be several, three, four weeks before, you know, we see Brenton. They're checking things out this week, but the way he was uh, being helped off the field, it's iffy. 
Yeah. I would think he, at very best, is questionable to go against Morgantown on Thursday. As it is, it's not just the Brenton Strange show under Mike Bias in his second year there. Expectations are a little higher. They got to the playoffs last year, hosted a game as an eight seed. So now in year two, he was expected to be a linchpin of that team, but not the entire team. They got a pretty good unit around him, though. They've got Jake Johnson at quarterback, and boy, you know, he's kind of a dual threat. Early on, of course, he's going to Brenton in the air, and we're handing it off to Tyler Moeller, who's one of the hardest runners I've seen, you know, just in the short time I've been able to watch some football here in the preseason. So he had that at his disposal. But then when Brenton went off the field, Jake did a little more, um, you know, out-of-the-pocket scrambling. He's got some moves. He's got some speed, able to get out of the pocket, look for the holes. So he's got that. Um, he's also got some wide receivers in uh, Keontae Peacock, a very athletic kid. And Dylan Shaver, he's a golfer. <laughs> he played golf for the, his first three years, and now here he is. He has really added some weight, looks good as a wide receiver, you know, just his stature. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I guess, going to boil down to how much protection will Jake get? Will they miss Brenton? I don't, you know, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what kind of weapons they have. And remember, Jake Johnson got some snaps at quarterback last year when Cam Mace was injured, so it's not a completely new position to Johnson, who was already one of the more athletic kids on the team to begin with, and now here he is with some familiarity to the position, and now it's his full time. Like I said, he made some good decisions. South Charleston, not one of your top-tier MSAC teams, but he looked good out there. They, they started off a little slow. The varsity only played a half down there at Laidley Field, but we'll probably start with the second or third series of the, that game. You know, their offense just just ran like clockwork, even, even with the absence of Brenton Strange. The other big Thursday game involves a team that's playing closer to home, the Williamstown Yellow Jackets host the defending Class A state champions, the Wheeling Central Maroon Knights. And, Kerry, what's your read on the Williamstown Yellow Jackets at this point? First thing that comes to mind is, in talking to their coaching staff, they thought, well, initially they were the only Thursday game in town, or statewide, I should say, you know, them and Wheeling Central. A PHS Morgantown game was moved from Friday back to Thursday. So here they thought all eyes would be on their game, and they kind of yeah. they kind of savored that. Well, all eyes locally will. We they will, but I, I, think, mean, I think it's going to be a pretty good split. People that will go out to see the Williamstown game, and then I think there'll be a fair number who stay at home to watch the PHS, and then I think there'll be just as much of a number that will DVR the Big Reds and watch the Yellow Jackets. Not to forget the all the Class A opponents on each of the respective schools' schedules. Right. Whether they're regular season and or postseason possibility teams. If there are not at least a dozen head coaches down there, I'll be shocked. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking to the kids. I mean, they feel like there is this sense of, they couldn't quite put it down into words, but there's this home field advantage for Williamstown when they're playing in their own backyard. And like I said, they're they're pretty psyched about playing this game, um, regardless of the fact that there's another game going on there in Morgantown. So, and the fact it's Wheeling Central, you know, we'll see how they travel. You know, how many fans they bring down. But regardless, yeah, it's you're going to see a lot of representation from the Class A realm. And again, Williamstown has uh, numbers that aren't encouraging. You know, Terry Smith will probably like more bodies than the 30-ish that he's got, but he, I think he's satisfied with the quality that he's got. Yeah, the only question they've got right now is Leewood Melissa. He hurt his hip in a scrimmage, I believe, their first scrimmage they had this year, and he's still kind of you know limping about. But they're gonna hopefully get him ready for Thursday. But other than that, I mean, with Carter Haynes returning at quarterback for a second straight year, Donathan Taylor, 
that kid's got speed. When he gets in the open field, he, he is, you know, you're watching the back of his number. Of course, we, we don't see Williamstown throw a lot, but they've got, like, Eric Brown, who Terry Smith says he's probably our best talent on the team. Mm-hmm. He plays middle linebacker. He plays wide receiver, one of the four captains. And, you know, you hear a lot about what he does on the basketball court as well. But I think he takes more pride in football, I think, just as much. We often see a Terry Smith team that has a returning quarterback and a returning running back and say, well, that's a team that's got a better-than-average chance to be in the running at the end of the year. How do they look up front? Does he like what they got up front, or or is there still room to grow? You know, I'm sure you've talked to Terry enough that he always says it, it starts in the trenches. Yeah. His kids are not as big as they've been in years past. I got the impression, and I talked to him a lot earlier than you probably talked to him. You probably talked to him a lot more recently. I got the impression that early on, he wasn't pleased with where they were up front. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to do a lot of play action and so forth. I mean, really keep people on their toes because their biggest kid is probably Nick Bondi, who's a, who's one of their captains as well, and he's a good-sized kid, but they don't know whether he's going to play offensive guard or tight end pending Melissa's status. So it's never been much of an issue, their, their line, both defense and offensive line, because it's the same kids just – you know, moving to the other side. So, like you said, they got barely 31, 32 kids, and they can't afford injuries. Yeah, I think that's maybe more than any other year. The theme of this year for so many teams in this area cannot afford injuries. So if you're a physical therapist, if you are an athletic trainer, if you are a physician's assistant, if you're a doctor, you might have a job. (laughs) You're going to be well employed keeping people on the field this year. Well, Kerry Patrick's website is depthchartwc.com. Kerry will be joining us on Countdown to Kickoff all year long, and it'll be a contribute to Scoreboard Friday as well. Kerry, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Eric, appreciate you having me. Time now to take a look at this week's poll question and of course as we've been hinting all throughout the show it has to do with rules uh, this could be a little bit of a different format because this will not be an actual poll where you click on one or the other this is going to be a multiple choice answer if you don't want to go into why your answer is as it is you don't have to i'm going to post this question on the facebook page and we'll see what answers we get what's the rule slash policy change you'd most like to see adopted by the wvssac for high school football what's the rule slash policy change you'd most like to see adopted by the WVSSAC. That's our poll question this week. Again, it's not an A or B, true or false answer. It's not multiple choice like the other polls have been. This is going to be an open-ended question. And again, that'll be posted this week on our Facebook page, and you'll have until Monday to answer that, and we'll talk about that a little bit on next week's show. Our games of the week this week on Light Rock 93R, we have Ritchie County at Tyler Consolidated Friday, and then Saturday, River and Bel Air meet in the season opener for the River Pilots. On WXCR Friday, Peyton City hosts Parkersburg Catholic in a game that I think will be a good one in Peyton City. And on V96.9, Parkersburg South opens the season at home against the Ripley Vikings. Countdown to kickoff starts tonight on all three of those stations at 6 p.m. And then the pregame and then the kickoff of your respective game. It's Richie Tyler on Friday on 93R, River Bel Air Saturday afternoon on 93R, Catholic Peyton City on WXCR Friday, and then Parkersburg South Ripley on V96.9 Friday. Don't forget you can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us on SoundCloud as well. Rate us, review us, write in to 
the podcast and let us know how we're doing. We'd like to have your support. We'd also like to have you as a listener of the show. So keep us in mind every week. That'll do it for us. Hey, the games are out there this week. Uh, go out and see a game, enjoy football, buy a ticket and sit in the bleachers and smell the popcorn and cheer on the local football teams in the area. We thank you for joining us on the podcast. Once again, my name is Eric Little. We'll talk to you next week on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening.